All right, we're back. We didn't get canceled after week one. We're in episode two of the Fig Cave Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome in. Happy early 4th of July to everyone listening. And uh, we hope you have a uh, safe holiday coming up. We're going to get you ready in case you're mowing the lawn or something. You need something to listen to. Get you covered for some fantasy football coverage here. And the Jimmy's Famous Seafood Studios. We got our good buddy Greg Angel calling in. What's up, brother? How are you? Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. What uh, what you got planned for Fourth of July, man? Well, I take the kids out, watch the fireworks locally, and uh, you know, have a few cold beers and uh, some all American meat. I imagine all American meat. Oh, that might be the name of the episode. I think all American <laughs> meat. <laughs> that was uh, that was an unintended pun, there, wasn't it? None of that Canadian meat. I want American. None meat. of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to talk about. Um, uh, we're going to do a full running backs preview as we get closer to the season, probably when you know preseason starts or something. But we want to dive into probably the most important position in fantasy football, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's hard to argue that. Uh, running back is one of those positions that people chase. Uh, people go early, they go often because you just can't have enough. Inevitably, there's a handful of guys that show up out of nowhere that you've never heard of that are starting in your lineup week 16 week 17 wherever you're doing your playoffs um it is one of the toughest positions to predict and there's just no known quantities to start the year every year uh so we're going to go through uh pro football focuses uh rankings of the best offensive lines because we feel that's pretty important to a running back success and then we're going to go team by team at the running back position and look at kind of the, the depth chart of every team in the AFC. We'll do a separate episode maybe next week of the NFC and uh, just kind of talk about who matters, what the maybe the, the battle between two guys is going to be, who could be a sleeper coming out of the later rounds of the draft and all that kind of stuff. But you can follow us on Twitter. I'm I hate JJ Reddick. Greg is Greg Angel 3 Greg, we've already got people in the DMs asking if we're going to do a fantasy league they want to get in. I think we should do something like that, man. Get get some listeners in, make a little prize money Sound, or something, you know? Sounds good to me. Something, I love it. Something easy. 20, 20 bucks a head, you know, do a do something maybe a website we don't really usually use a lot. I don't know. I'm I've been using Yahoo for most of my career. I know you have too, so I have, I have. I think it's just a fail safe. I think it's the only reason Yahoo even operates anymore, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't used it to search for anything. I don't even know if they know how to search on that website, but the fantasy football setups, just something I got used to and have been involved with for a long time. I've been playing on Yahoo for so long. When I first started, you had to pay extra to get the stat tracker. So the stats would update automatically. If not, you wouldn't get them till the next day. Soccer. I know. Soccer. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> um, so what I did was I, if you just Google pro football focus offensive line, they rank every team in the NFL at the end of the season based on, you know, how they performed. And I'm sure it's, you know, pro football focus does their homework as far as, you know, pressure sacks and, and, you know, how much running they, they allowed for their running backs and stuff like that. So I'm not going to go into year by year, but I did uh, 2018, Greg, 2019, 2020. And I pulled up and I basically gave like a point value to how they ranked, you know, one through 10, so yeah. I'll spit out the teams here. You can just give me your quick thoughts. Number one and two, it's pretty obvious, and you can you can tell just from the, the players that we draft in fantasy football, the Colts were number one. The Browns were a very close number two. 
And when you're deciding between a couple guys in that first round, second round, Greg, that's important to me because there's a couple guys up there that are great running backs that we'll talk about in a minute that don't have a good offensive line or they've completely overhauled over the last year or so and are different. What's uh, interesting about pro football focus rankings is an indication of a good offensive line usually means that they're a run-heavy team. And both the Colts and Browns at the top of the list are definitely dedicated. Their coaches have the philosophy of a run-first roster. So that's always good in evaluating who you want to pick because when they get down inside the 20, inside the 5, they're thinking run-first and pass-second. If you have a running back that's on a team that's a pass-first team, you could end up being the person who never gets any touchdowns with your court running back and he just runs for 90 yards and picks you up a measly amount of points. So yep. um, that's also comes into coach's philosophy too, which we'll talk on in a different episode. But, you know, offensive lines is one of those things that the average person ignores. And yet, you know, I'm looking at your list here, Phil, and what's interesting about the Browns is they went from second in 2018 to not in the top 10 and back up to top top of the list so number one yeah it's yeah. interesting interesting how people approach it uh eagles at number three and this this shocked me at number four was the patriots i mean you brought up a good point they're a quick quick passing team when when brady was there you know for 2018 and 19 you know they got the ball out quick he didn't get sacked a lot um but still i mean there's not really somebody that we would draft there. We'll get into it in a little bit. But the Patriots being at number four, I mean, that bodes well for Cam Newton if you want to have him as your quarterback. Um, you know, but having a good offensive line is super valuable to, to in that respect. Uh, then we had the Packers at five, Steelers at number six. Now, that one's going to change a lot. They have a completely new offensive line. Um, tell me if that's a, a plus or a minus for you with them having a running a rookie running back coming in. Uh, rookie running backs always good to me because they have a little more tread on the tires, but I just, I just would be very scared. The premium price that Najee Harris is going for, he's a top, you know, you're basically drafting him as a running back one, unless you go back to back running backs in the second round and they have nobody who is playing the same position. Maybe one, one player who's playing the same position. They just lost to Castro, which you tweeted out about a week ago, you know, big hurt for Najee Harris just to lose that experience. And also, you know, they have a quarterback who likes to get the ball out quick and they like to, they, they were throw heavy last year. So he's a big risk to me this year, an unproven quantity with the way they've approached their offensive line. For sure. For sure. Um, going down the list here, we had the Buccaneers at number seven, our hometown Ravens at number eight saints at number nine, um, I think that Buccaneers number is going to is going to go up this year. They have some great running backs. They have Brady, who's going to make his offensive line look better. They're going to be winning games a lot, and you know, just running the ball down people's throats. Um, I, think, I wouldn't be surprised if they were number one. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, agree with you. Yeah, they've added to it. They've really invested in that offensive line since since Brady's come over. So, uh, just a little thing to to consider if you're torn between a couple of players. I mean, I would I would lean toward Chubb and uh, Jonathan Taylor in your one, two spot for sure. So, uh, let's go team by team here. I just have this pulled up. It's a great website. Our lads. O U R L A D S, uh, basically has a depth chart for every single team. And now you can sort by position. So you can do the depth chart of every team in the league by quarterback or running back receiver. So 
really gives you a little in-depth look into each single team. It's hard to know, you know, the third string running back for the Bills without, you know, looking it up. So, uh, full disclosure, that's what we're using. Let's start with the Bills. Let's start with the AFC East. This was a division that did not do well uh, as far as ranking last year uh, as an offensive rushing unit. They were The Bills were 20th in the league. Uh, tell me what you would do here. Would you draft either of these guys? Devin Singletary uh, seems has been there for three or four years, still has not really broken out. Zach Moss was a rookie last year, had a ton of fumbling problems. Um I don't know what the split's going to be. It, it's neither of these guys are going to cost you a lot in a draft. What what would you lean if you had to take one of these guys uh, as a as kind of a bench running back? Man, forced forced to pick. <laughs> I would. Uh, I mean, I guess I guess Devin Singletary, um, but there's no strong feeling here with either one of them. The biggest thing that's changed, I believe, in running backs over the last number of years is the quarterbacks that tend to run. Um, and that's what hurts these guys a lot because frankly, I'd rather put the ball in Josh Allen's hands inside the three yard line than either one of these guys. Um, and the other thing that hurts them is they don't throw to the running backs a lot, but I guess if you're telling me, Hey, who do you got to take? I guess Singletary, but I would hope I wouldn't have to take him till the seventh or eighth round. Yeah, at that point. yeah, for sure. I, I I would have Moss rate rated just a little bit higher just because he's an unknown, could come on and you know in his second year really produce. But neither of these guys are really fantasy relevant, especially when you consider Zach Moss had 481 yards uh, splitting carries last year. Our boy Josh Allen had 421. So I mean, if he if he approaches that 500 mark, he's number one. That's great for your value of a fantasy quarterback. And number two, that's 500 yards you're taking away from your running backs uh, for a team that doesn't run that much. Uh, it's you know it's it's not good. They do have number third on the depth chart is uh, my boy Matt Breida, who's only 26 years old. He's been in the league for feels like forever, and I feel like whenever he plays, he was with San Francisco, then Miami, always produces. He could be a guy that could be a one-week, you know, one of these two guys gets hurt. Brito has to start, do a little spot start. It could, you know, could be like a, a flex play down the road at some point, but that's about it. It, it. You're right. It could be. What's interesting, you know, going back to what we started this conversation with is the Bills haven't been ranked in the top 10 of offensive lines in the last three years. And thinking back to the draft, I know they didn't add anybody premium position guy in that, so – their offensive line is just middle of the road, clearly. For sure. Let's move on to the Dolphins. They were ranked 22nd in the league in running. Uh, Miles Gaskin kind of came on halfway through the season with a nice pickup for people. They added Malcolm Brown to that backfield. Again, neither of these guys are superstars. I guess Miles Mal- uh, Gaskin was be- would be a guy that kind of has running back to upside. He had 41 catches last year, uh, zero games over 91 yards. We'll see. Hold on. My son set up Alexa timer here. Yeah, my son likes to set Alexa timers just for like four hours in the future and just let let him go off when he's asleep. It's great. Nice. Um, any thoughts on the uh, Dolphins' backfield? I mean, I know you had Tua last year. You're not completely sold on him. but uh, Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing is going to be, you know, the change in offensive philosophy. You know, they have an, a new play caller which is encouraging for them. And they also added a bunch of weapons on the outside that would hopefully open that up a bit. So I definitely think it's worth a shot. Um, Miles Gaskin seems to be the guy who'd be the most all-around back. Mm -hmm. Malcolm Brown, though, when he played for the Rams, he's second on the depth chart. 
was a goal line oriented running back. So he could be one of those vulture type situations. But I think there'll be a more conservative offense at the beginning of the year, at least, and probably run the ball a little more heavily. Yeah, and they should be better overall. So I could see them, you know, maybe running more than they have been, you know, being behind in games last year. Uh, I don't think Malcolm Brown was brought in to be any kind of, you know, starter. I think he's just a backup at this point, and I think Gaskins right. is a guy. Not not super excited, but he could be a guy that we're not talking about as a first or second rounder that could, you know, turn it on and become something and, and exceed expectations. So we will see. Uh, but so far, neither of these teams have that bell cow running back, and there's not too many teams on this list that do after mm-hmm. I went through this research here. Patriot, yeah. Patriots, we talked about number four best uh, rushing attack in 2020. A lot of that is due to the quarterback, Cam Newton. He had a lot of vulturing of touchdowns last year, which was the only reason he was really fantasy relevant for the first you know, quarter of the season. Um, yeah. I guess he'll be the starter, Greg. I don't know how long that'll last with the, with them drafting Mac Brown. Uh, what what do you see happening here? And it's always like a, a fantasy football graveyard, the uh, the Patriots' backfield. Yeah, Mac Jones is uh, he could be a starter halfway through the year. Um, the the thing about you know, I feel like the Patriots invented running back by committee in some form. The thing about their running backs is they specialize in one thing or the other. So, you know, for years, Sony Michelle wouldn't catch a ball, but he'd run it the most. A couple of years. Now, Damian Harris is the guy who runs the ball consistently, but doesn't catch the ball at all. And James White catches the ball exclusively and doesn't run the ball. So one week, one guy, one week, the next guy, uh, depending on the game plan, because that's how the Patriots approach it. But I think Damian Harris is the guy you say, you know what, if they teach him how to catch the ball this year, he's the one who will uh, take the lead duties. He could be a thousand yard rusher. Their offense is going to open up a bunch more. They hope because they brought in, you know, two new tight ends, two new wide receivers. They've invested in outside weapons. They spent a lot of money in free agency. They lost their best guard on the offensive line. But I think Damian Harris is the, is the guy to draft. And I think you can get him out the fourth or fifth round. And he's going to pound out about a thousand yards rushing, and any luck if their offense is any better, he'll have you know seven, eight touchdowns. So, yep, he's definitely worth a running back two, running back three if you go heavy running back early. Yeah, he's got the talent, the potential. I, I would would be hesitant to draft him again just because I know, like you said, if I were to run a football team, this is how I would do it because there's no reason you need one guy to do this. You have four guys that probably make less than Zeke Elliott, you know, basically getting the job done, number four in the league in rushing last year. What What is there to change? But James White is a guy, I mean, if you really just want to go receiver heavy, a quarterback, you take Mahomes, you take Kittle or, or Kelsey, and you, you take a couple – receivers in the third or fourth round it's not terrible to get stuck with guys like james white and some of these other pass catching running backs that can get you an easy 10 15 points a game greg i mean it's a, it's an it's a very risky strategy i don't know if you would call that zero rb some people do yeah but i mean when you're in a ppr league and you get points for receptions and you get a guy that gets you five catches for 50 yards you know almost regularly i'm sure james white if you pull up his numbers basically does that 
the the rush yeah. the rushing is just kind of the icing on the cake. I mean, you get ten points from those guys, you're happy because you have um, Mahomes putting up thirty, forty points. You have Kelsey or one of these guys putting twenty to thirty points up. Some really good receivers. You know, you probably get I don't know. You can't get Ridley, but you can probably get an AJ Brown or a Julio Jones or some guys that you know are going to put up some pretty good points. And then just take some gambles and flyers at running back. And James White is a guy who always overproduces. He would be the one I would want out of this group because there's a they're all talented, but they just the way they use. I mean, Brandon Bolden has showed up here and there. Even JJ Taylor was a guy that had some spot starts last season. A good, so a good thing for your James White argument is that Rex Burkhead is now one of the 19 running backs <laughs> who are is on the Houston Texans, and he was that guy who would actually get some rushes in and get some catches. He would replace White in game plan sometimes, and now he's not there. So I don't see another guy who's as much of a catch it receiving threat yep. um, out of the backfield. Yeah, James White had 72 catches in 2019. He had 49 last year, splitting with Burkhead and, and fighting through some injuries. Um, and I think he had like a, a death in the family, if I don't, uh, if I remember correctly. A family. James White, yeah, yeah, I think it was his father and mother. Yeah, son. like a day before the morning of a game and missed a, missed a game or two. So um, he's a guy, you know, we'll talk about a couple of them on this list that are, you know, really just pass-catching running backs, which is invaluable to have in, in a PPR league for sure. Uh, moving on to the Jets here, uh, which is hard to say before taking a drink. They were 23rd in the league in rushing. Um so we got a rookie running back now out of out of UNC of Michael Carter who split in his yep. in his last year in college. So he's not even a, a bona fide starter. And you have, of course, uh rookie quarterback there basically overhauling everything, new coach. Um this is a team I mean, you're gonna get some some fantasy analysts in the next month or two trying to dig deep mm-hmm. and, and give some hot takes and tell you why you should draft some Jets. There's there's no way in hell I'm drafting anybody off of this team, Greg. You can't overthink shit like this, and this is classic overthinking to think anybody off this team would be fantasy relevant for a, a fantasy championship team. The worst thing I hear in drafts when I'm you know do a live draft with people are like, "He's a starter." Okay, what does that mean? Like, okay, great, he's a starter, but he's going to be on a terrible team that doesn't score. They're going to have a lot of growing pains. In New York, another guy, though, that's running. You know, this is, I think, LaFleur's brother, who's the offensive coordinator down there. So they're going to be a run-heavy team. This guy's, you know, 200 pounds, 5'8". Um, doesn't seem like a guy who will be handling the load for sure. Kevin Coleman is there. Um, he might get a game or two where he performs well against a bad team. But you're right. There should if you are in the ninth round and you say, yep, got to get a running back, pick someone on a team that's going to produce better. The only thing they have going for them is they did, you know, pick up the right tackle from the Redskins just recently, and they drafted a a guard out of USC. So they're investing in the offensive line. But the only way I'd pick Michael Carter is if I'm in a dynasty league. You're you're 100 percent right. You you can you got to pick up the number two running back off the Ravens or the page. You know a James White or a Gus Edwards before anybody off this team because they're just not going to run the ball. Even if they are a better team than last, year. they won one game last year. Is that right? Uh, I think they won two okay. by accident. Okay, double. 100% they just kept, better they than went I on thought. the streak towards the end. I mean, they gave that game away against the Raiders and then oh, they yeah. started winning. Yep. <laughs> um. So that yeah, but. 
I mean, they're they're just they're going to be added added games. They don't they have a rookie at, at every position that are manageable. They have no receivers. You know, nobody yeah. nobody of any kind of discernible talent there. When, when Brashad Perriman is having to start for you, you know you're in trouble. Uh, so it, it's just a situation to avoid. Like I said, Tevin Coleman, if he didn't get hurt every other game, he would be a beast. I mean, he showed signs in Atlanta of being, you know, unstoppable, but he just can't stay healthy. Uh, so. It's a, you couldn't produce for Kyle Shanahan on a regular basis, and Kyle Shanahan loved him and paid him. And every um, every so. running back does in San Francisco. Yep. I mean, yep. they have they have guys putting up hundred yard games every single week, and you picked them all up last year. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that's the AFC. I love, I love Kyle Shanahan. That's the AFC I, East. There's no bell cow running back in that division there's nobody who should even be one. in your top three or four rounds but there is now and i think joe mixon is a guy um as we get through this whole afc there's there's not too many guys there's maybe three or four in this entire conference that would be bell cow nobody behind him is gonna put up points and and joe mixon is one of them he's not a sexy name but he now has some really good receivers around him they draft probably the best receiver in the in the draft um, they pair him with yep. Joe Burrow, who they went to college together. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Jamar. Yep. And yep. You, you already had T. Higgins yep. there. You have some some yep. Tyler Boyd's there. Uh, you have some yep. really good weapons now in Cincinnati. They're not going to be a good team, but they're going to put up some points. They're going to compete with people, especially in this AFC North. Uh, I think Mixon is a sneaky like second round, third round guy where he used to be like a fringe number one because people just yep. sleep on him. Uh, he missed. I think he played two games last year. Six games. He played six games last yeah. year before getting hurt. They kind of shut him down. They knew they were terrible. Joe Burrow got hurt. Um, so, yeah, I mean. They, uh, they what's skipped his... investing in the offensive line. That would be the only worry. And the other worry would be, of course, if Burrow's not in there, that offense doesn't operate. So I think that would be the reason he would fall in drafts for most people. Um, he is probably the most complete. He's the best catcher of the ball in the whole division. There, so he's it's he's a rare talent where he can catch out of the backfield, and that's very important, especially since most people at this point do PPR leagues. If you're in a non PPR league, it's still extra yards. But uh, I agree with you. I think he's currently the best running back in the division as far as having full share of the time, because the guys in uh, Cleveland, who we'll probably talk about next, split a lot of that duty. For sure. Um, let's get on to, to over to the Ravens, who were number one in uh, rushing last year. Will they sign Todd Gurley? That's kind of the underlying thing here because they have, I mean, they have everything set up. I mean, you have one of the best all-time running attacks over the last couple of seasons. They, flirt, right. they flirted with Todd Gurley. He's a Baltimore guy. I still think he has a little bit left on the tank. I don't think it'll cost that much. So this is kind of a deep cut here. But, I mean, we've seen the Ravens sign veteran guys and kind of give them a, a year or two of new life. Would you want right. to see the Ravens sign him? I, I, you know, as a Ravens fan, I wouldn't. As a fantasy fan, I wouldn't worry about it too much, to be honest. Um, I think it would be kind of a surface play. He'd get in a little bit here and there. Yeah. Um, he just would, kind he of would fill that Ingram role from last year, which wasn't wasn't yeah. much. Yeah. The the trouble, and you, I alluded to this earlier, the trouble always with teams like the Ravens who are, you would pick a Ravens running back, no question, because they're going to give the ball to the running back a lot, no matter what no matter what the game is. The trouble is always, will Lamar take away the touchdowns from them? And they do not 
neither of these running backs who their lead running backs, Dobbins or Gus Edwards, are pass catching running backs currently. Dobbins is trying to be, um, but neither of them are pass catching guys. So, you know, they're definitely running back twos despite the volume. And Gus Edwards, you know, gets as many, you know, gets a ton of touches. So it is a true share the load situation. So Yeah, I don't I don't think we're gonna see Dobbins become what he could be unless he can become a pass catcher out of the backfield for this team. I mean, you look at you look at Ray Rice's numbers, and, and he was a different animal, but he was putting up 1,200, 1,300 yards rushing in addition to putting up 78, 63 receptions, 76, 61, 58. I mean, that's right. huge. I mean, that's, an, that's a whole other player for you as a, as a fantasy owner. And J.K. Right. Dobbins, I think, had 18, I'm pulling it up right now, 18 receptions last year. Even if he doubles that, I mean, if if he gets you thirty, it's not it's not what you need. Um, and you have the Lamar Jackson factor. I think J.K. Dobbins is a really talented guy, and I I would love to draft him, but I think he's going to get drafted before he really should be. I think Gus Edwards is going to be that pounder, and he he could steal some goal line touchdowns. For so, sure. Um, not, not that I want Dobbins to... Dobbins set a rookie record, I believe, for touchdowns, so he scored a lot. The Ravens yeah. have been a very good scoring offense. The other thing that I think could happen this year is that the Ravens really want to feature Lamar as a thrower. So I feel like they want to prove, I think uh, the offensive coordinator I'm blanking on right now will want to prove that he can, that he can throw and he can design for these new run wide receivers. So that could take away some volume too. Yep. Greg Roman is here thinking of, yeah, Greg Roman and, the, but their offensive line will be a lot better than they were last year. Yeah. A lot better. A lot so, better. Uh, so we will see. I mean, I still think Lamar will end up getting four or five hundred yards easily. I mean, he, I don't know how many he had last year, but it had to be. I think he was over a thousand, right? Just without looking uh, it up. Yeah, without sure. looking it up. I mean, if he cuts that in half, you still have the you know the factor. It might him. have been ten thousand. I'm not sure. Ten thousand. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it was a hell of a year. It was a hell of a year. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a this is a backfield that you want to invest in behind those two guys. I mean, if there's an injury here, I think Justice Hill is a guy who could be a pickup. I'm thinking like this is a deep. I guess for some of these teams, I'm thinking of some deep cuts, and he he's one of them. He would be yeah. a, a waiver wire pickup if something happens to either Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins. Seems like a better so. receiver than either of the other two. Yeah. 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 So. Um, other than those two, I don't. I mean, the Ravens are probably three deep there. Um, they don't have anybody behind those guys, so we'll, we'll see how those shake out. But, uh, back to the Mixon thing, they don't really have anybody behind him. That's another thing that I really want to to touch Samaj on. P. Ryan, yeah, is yeah. not much. He yeah. hasn't been much. And also going back to the Ravens, we'll talk about this. We're going to do kind of a uh, best draft tips and practices that we can impart to you guys for us being ravens fans being in a league with a bunch of ravens fans you have to almost cross some of these names off of your list because you're going to have people who aren't they don't listen to podcasts like you are out there right now they don't uh follow along they don't you know they they sit down they throw their money in for a draft and they forget about it you know they're just casual fantasy football players so they're huge ravens fans they're going to know the names of these guys in yep. the, in the middle rounds and jump on them before they should which is yep. fine you know i'll take those people's money all day but um just know that that's you know whether you live in cleveland or or new england or something those players if the team nearby you or if you're drafting with a bunch of fans of those teams they're going to be targeted a lot sooner than they should be. People in our league will be drafting Justin Tucker in the tenth round. They'll be taking the Ravens defense in the eighth round. So, you know, just yeah, just food for thought. 
wherever you live, know that your your favorite player on your favorite team is going three rounds sooner than he probably yes. should. Just know there's idiots that live everywhere, not just not just here. <laughs> um, speaking of idiots, the Browns are up next. Um, <laughs> uh, no, seriously though, awesome running attack, and this is our second bell, maybe our second bell cow here. Uh, with a caveat, the the Browns did finish. Let me pull it up here on a different page. <laughs> Chubb is a stud. I wrote down. Wow, good good stat there, Phil. Uh, Hunt is, I think, a top twelve running back if something does happen to Nick Chubb. But Ch- Nick Chubb is pretty pretty much foolproof. He's a big bruiser. Health, he doesn't really get hurt too much. Uh, they feature him pretty, you know, pretty heavily. Uh, he's a guy that I would be happy. I'd be happy with a Chubb mixing backfield on my fantasy team, honestly. I mean, they're two guys that are going to run the ball a lot. Chubb doesn't get as many catches as a Mixon does, but right. uh, he's he's a poor man's Derrick Henry, I would call it. Chubb is going to get the touches because Kevin Stefanski loves to run and run some more and run some more. Um, I actually thought of a question for you today based on this backfield because I knew we'd be talking about stuff like this. Would you go into a game starting both – Chubb and Kareem Hunt and feel comfortable about your chances to win. Would you draft them both, not as handcuffs, but just as two players you felt like could produce every game, both of them at the same time? Man, that's, that is tough. Um, if they weren't on the same team, obviously yes, but whew, I mean, on, on a buy, on a, on a heavy bye week, maybe if I have an injury to somebody, I mean, right. Yeah. It, that it wouldn't be the worst scenario I could think of. You know what I mean? These, these two guys, Chubb, you're going to have to take in the first round, no question. Uh, middle to end of the first, no question. Kareem Hunt, I've been doing some mock drafts and just you know running through it. He's like fifth, sixth round, so that's that's pretty tough. You know, if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to handcuff Nick Chubb, well, you got to go in early, and then you're probably looking at Kareem Hunt being your second or third best running back on your team. So they're just such a run centric team that, and Kareem Hunt catches a few more balls that I, I would if I had to, but you're right. It's tough because one of them's not scoring if the other one is. What, so. Are you using fantasyfootballcalculator.com for most of your mock drafts? Uh, I've been just doing the Yahoo out of laziness. Okay. But, uh, okay. I've, I've, I've done fantasy football calculator before. I like to get a read on like individual people rather than the trouble with the ones that are, you know, computer oriented. Yeah, it's the same they thing. They throw some algorithms in. Yeah. But most of the time, they don't give you that human element of somebody like wanting to overdraft somebody, you know, like a player that falls amongst, you know, actual people versus what somebody programs. So it's, uh, you know, there are a bunch of different good ways to do it. But are you, when, you, when you're doing those Yahoo mock drafts now, are, are they filling up with 12, 10, 12 people pretty easily? Because I, I need to get oh, on yes. that too. They are? Okay, good. Cause, oh, yeah. Because I tried to do some on Fantasy Football Calculator, which I, I love the website, but it's uh, it was just me and like nine computers. So it was not, yeah. it was like a like a, yeah. ba- a bad nope. bad robot nope. porno <laughs> gangbang. Yeah. And, and when you do these Fantasy Football mock drafts and they send you the grade, don't worry about it. Yeah. They're just doing it based off their rankings. Uh, Kareem Hunt on this website is four four seven, so a four five four fifth round fourth fourth fifth round is what you can expect from Hunt. That's a little. Yeah. I mean, again, I would take him there, but not if I'm taking. I mean, I guess you could handcuff him. That that makes sense. But to start both of them, you know. But no, I, I, I don't. Th- I don't think you could go two handcuffs in the first. A handcuff in the fifth round. A handcuff to me is a guy you get to take in the tenth or eleventh round. Okay, you're not. I'm not a big hand. I'm not a big handcuff guy anyway because it's just a dead space. Like 
I know a lot of people picked Madison Matson out of uh, the, with the Vikings last year. It took him a lot, and he just sat on their bench until like week 15, 16 when he got a little play, and he still wasn't very good. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not a big handcuff guy myself. Cool. Yeah, he's getting drafted right around Miles Gaskin, James Robinson, Raheem Mostert. So seems seems and about, again seems that right. and again that goes to our conversation of hey, I picked a starter versus hey, Kareem Hunt's on a team that likes to run a lot. And by the way, if Nick Chubb got hurt, he might be a top five running back because he was a top five running back with the Chiefs until he acted a little crazy, acted a fool. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, all right, so that's the Browns. Let's go over to the Steelers, who finished, I think, dead last, 30th, 31st or 32nd in, in rushing last year. They didn't even try after, after a while. Yeah, and then, yeah, they're, they're throwing the ball 60 times or something. Meanwhile, they have a whole new offensive line. So that, right. I mean, is that really, is that a bad thing if they finished last in rushing? I mean, their offensive line sucked, it was about, clearly. It, it wasn't about their offensive line. I think it was about their philosophy. Um but I guess it could – I mean, I think Pouncey was out a little bit. You know what What was really crazy? You know, they were playing a game on Wednesday night versus the Ravens one week and, you know, then had to play four days later. But, yeah, it became an offensive philosophy. But I don't – they they have to hope it is a good thing because, you know, they let their left tackle go, Villanueva, Pouncey retired. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. It makes the number one player in um, Dynasty League drafts really tough to feel super confident about just their offensive line with Najee Harris there. So Najee Harris, even if you don't watch college football, like I don't, you, you know, Najee Harris, you, you Alabama games are on no matter where you go, no matter what you're doing. But Najee Harris last, last season, 1,466 rushing yards, 26 touchdowns on the ground, four in the air, uh, a beast, no real competition on this team. I mean, I don't care how bad their offensive line is or, you know, how bad the Steelers are going to possibly be. He's going to run the ball a lot. He, Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane are just guys. They're, they're backup, you know, spot play starter if somebody gets winded or something. Neither of those right. guys are going to be accused of being a starting NFL running back. So he's going to get every opportunity. It's very similar to the a situation we have with the Chiefs that we'll talk about in a minute. I mean, they're going to run the shit out of this dude, and they're going to throw it to him. They're going to use him a lot. Um, yep. James Conner is gone, obviously. So uh, I can see why people are excited about him. The Steelers, you know, historically have been a team that just loves to pound the shit out of the ball, and that has really changed over the last, you know, two three years. Yeah, um, they're not they're a, they're a throw first team like many teams in the NFL. The thing they do though that is a benefit as a fantasy football person is they commit to one guy. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't where, you know, we went through the whole AFC East and every one of those teams was a running back by committee. Who's going to start this week kind of guy. Um, they play one guy when they had Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was in there for a huge percentage of the snaps. I don't have that sat in front of me. James Conner, the one year he was really good. He was okay. Other years he was featured consistently. Yeah, you're right. None of these guys, Benny Snell's a plotter. He's really slow. Anthony McFarlane out of Maryland, he's, you know, just we really didn't get to see him last year, so who knows what he is. But they invested a first-round pick in a running back. They're darn sure going to use it. 100%. Uh, Let's move out of the AFC North. Let's go to the AFC South, where the AFC South Houston Texans have built 
herself a really good 2015 fantasy football team here with David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, and Rex Burkhead. Not to mention three guys that you've probably never heard of. Oh, Dontrell Hilliard is a guy that I've heard of from the Browns. Yeah. So they got five running backs uh, for some reason. Uh, I don't think I'm drafting any of these guys. I don't think I'm drafting any of these guys if they were on their own team. David Johnson has completely fallen off of the wagon. I mean, he's he's a guy that is not even approaching a thousand yards anymore, and, and a guy he was I, he was a consensus top four, top five pick for a couple years there. I don't know how, as a Texans fan, you would be excited to go to any of these games. Their attendance should be lower than it was last year, and fans weren't allowed in last year. What a crazy, um, crazy turnaround! They they were they were on the cusp. They were like, literally, their defense was kind of getting better. Their offense was insane. They had one of the best receivers in the league, uh, and they've traded away. and And now, with the Deshaun Watson allegations, are are close to being you know a lottery pick, basically. Yeah, they. Uh, I don't understand how you can keep signing running backs like this. Some of these guys got to have non guaranteed contracts, but essentially, it looks like they're going to run a wishbone. Um, and just, you know, run as many running backs as they can. I don't know why as a player other than, hey, you know, I like to make money, you would even consider going to this franchise the way players that have been there in the past, Andre Johnson talks about how poorly it's run, and they all talk about how bad the ownership is. And I'm blanking on the coach that went there from the Ravens, his name, but that poor guy set up for failure. Uh, uh, he's yeah. just... He's just gonna he's gonna be gone from there in a couple of years if he lasts that long. So it's uh it's just a bad franchise. If I don't care, I'm not picking any Texans at any position. I don't care if they have one good game. It's just it's just gonna be horrible to watch them. Texans were second worst in the league last year in rushing, right above the Steelers. So uh And they had Deshaun Watson at quarterback and they still only won four games. Now they're gonna have maybe a rookie, maybe, you know, one of the you know Tyrod Taylor's 15th stop. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what it's going to be at that, but it's going to be really bad football. For sure. Uh, let's move over to the, the Colts who uh, struck goal with Jonathan Taylor, who is now a consensus, mm-hmm. you know, some people are saying like middle of the first round pick, uh, which we talked about the offensive line rankings. I'm mean, there up there. They probably have the best off- offensive lineman in the, uh, the league with Quentin Nelson at guard there. Tell, you, you had him last year. Tell me what you think about Jonathan Taylor from watching him and, and kind of what you think he can do is and maybe take the next step and be a superstar. Well, a couple things. Um, Frank Reich is a run-first run first, uh, coach. They did lose their left tackle, Anthony Costanzo. He retired finally, so that is a detriment. But Quentin Nelson is an absolute beast, as is their center, who I'm not remembering right now. But um, I think his number one thing to elevate is getting more catches out of the backfield. Naheem Hines was carrying, was taking a lot of that duty. What happened with Taylor was I think in the last, let's say four to five games, he, he really stepped up and that kind of built his reputation. Like there were games, I remember watching him play the Ravens where he fumbled once and they took him out the rest of the game. So to me, he's one of the riskier players in the first round, despite being on a run-centric first team as lead running back. Just because you're spending a premium pick on him, I think he'll definitely be a thousand-yard rusher. Um, but um, he's he's just got to improve his receiving skills. But 
definitely worth taking middle to late first round no question if you're spending a top two top three pick on it you know you're you're taking a little bit of risk there in my opinion he had 253 yards rushing in the last game of the season wow is that is that right am i reading this right that, that could be right. I'm not even. I don't even have the stats up. I'm relying on you for that stuff. But that's something I should pull up. But that sounds. This can't be right. right. Can you can you look it up on your computer? I'm on ESPN. That doesn't seem like a normal thing. 253 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Look that up, please. But he had he had uh, 200 yard games before that. 150 yards against the the Raiders. Finished with 1169. 36 catches. Had a lot of games with one catch, one catch, zero catches, one catch. If that if that improves, I mean, thirty six is not a terrible number, but to to see he's I mean, he had four or five games with two catches, um, a couple games with six and four, which elevated his numbers. So if if I can get a, a three, four, five catch game every week out of him, he yeah, he's easily a, fir, a first rounder because. And I got I got to find out about this Jackson. I got to got to pause the podcast or something here. I don't remember how is this yet. Yeah, Taylor made day. Jonathan Taylor rushed for a franchise record 253 yards and two scores. That must have been week 17. That's why you Is that week that's why, 17? That's why you don't remember cares. it. Yeah. My god. 30 carries. They just gave him the ball and said, "All right. Philip Rivers is going to retire. Just just keep running the ball." Well, and Philip Rivers is another we can talk about that when we get on. Like he's another factor. He throws a lot to the running backs. But... Oh wait, no. You got Carson Wentz there now. So I know that's what I'm saying. So oh, okay. Rivers. Okay. I mean, he was playing Jacksonville, so that's that's yeah. a big factor. Oh, like of course, but still, shit, two hundred fifty three yards. That, that's nothing to sneeze it's at. Crazy so. twenty. Yep. No, he was consistent. He was consistent. But you look at the first. That's first skews, half yeah. of the year. Yeah, that game skews his numbers because yeah, twenty two, fifty nine, sixty eight. I mean, yeah, Tennessee seven rushes for twelve yards. That's the game Naheem Hines took over. And he had three games with twenty or so, 27, 22, 22 yards. So yeah, he had. He had so that, you know, I was I was pretty right when I said that the end of the season he came on. But I remember Jonathan Taylor. I'd play him, and then he wasn't a guaranteed play for me. And then he exploded against Green Bay. So then I kept playing him more. Yeah. Good call with that. Um, he uh, he's a guy. I mean, you have you have a couple names behind him. I think Marlon Mack has proven he could be a a decent starter in the NFL. He would probably be the guy who would step in if anything happened to Taylor. And he's a guy that yeah. you can probably get in the last round now. No one you know thinks about him. Remembers he's coming him. off a big ACL, I believe. Yeah, that was, was the first game of the season. One, yeah, week one. Jordan Wilkins is behind him. He you know people kept trying to. Say, I think he had one good game last year. Um, but you know, they're committed to Taylor cause they took him high in the second round. Yep. Um, you know, I think they will be a little bit more of a throwing offense with, um, Wentz there now. I think they'll do a little more throwing than they did last year. Uh, on to the Jacksonville Jaguars who drafted your boy, Travis Etienne out of yep. Clemson. We'll get into him in a second. James Robinson was basically their lone bright spot in fantasy last year. He was a yes. late round guy. Some people picked him up, you know, right after the preseason, he ended up with 87% of the running back touches in 2020 for this team, which is an ungodly amount. I mean, his numbers were just based on basically they just used him in every way possible that they had very inconsistent receivers running. The quarterback situation was terrible. Uh, so yeah. I don't, I don't know where you draft him now because you add Carlos Hyde, you add obviously Travis Etienne, who you let me know he's more of a, a pass catcher than a runner, but 
still, I mean, he's he can a do back. both. I mean, he can run between the tackles for sure, but they've been trying him out at actually at wide receiver when he got there. They're going to use him in a lot of gadget plays, but he can run for sure. So to me, James Robinson is the biggest example of you can't look at last year. I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's it's hard to to do that. You can't. I mean, you you just can't ju- you can't draft off of what happened last year. You have to be living in 2021 because that you're going to get burnt doing that pretty quickly. So um, Travis Etienne is probably a good a great obviously fantasy dynasty option. This team is going to hopefully get better and better with a with a new running back, new quarterback, all new front office and coaching staff. Uh, Carlos Hyde is just a guy, to, uh, just a body, just a plotter. He's he's not going to do much for you fantasy wise. He'll probably get some some late game action in here and there. But um, yeah, I mean, draft James Robinson at your own risk. He could end up being a fifty fifty split here. He could be kind of the guy there still, and, and just it just really depends on how ETN develops there. We'll, we will see. So preseason is key for guys like that. Now they have a full, yeah, you've got to see what their coach is doing. Forgive me, I was on a website and it started playing music in my head, so I only heard about every third word you said there. But uh, it's going to be it's tough to predict what a coach's tendencies are when you've never seen him in the NFL. But um, I think James Robinson is one guy I'd be scared to draft for sure. Uh, a note I had here, just going back to the Colts, Marlon Mack, only 25 years old, so he's not like an old old uh geezer so if he does have to come in you know it's it's you're still getting a guy who's who still should have some left in the tank uh covered yeah. the coles covered the jaguars let's move on to the titans with derrick henry a guy who's still getting underdrafted i feel like and, and it's really just because of his receiving abilities i mean this is probably the best running back we've seen in the last 10 years greg is there any debate on that He's been remarkable. You know, I I am a guy who I'm one of those guys who you say, hey, you didn't draft him because of his receiving ability. That's me. I remember watching him at Alabama and being like, I remember uh, Ron Dane from Wisconsin and watching Derek Henry and being like, he's just, just going to be just like him. But he's crazy athletic. And I don't think he misses many games, if any. So if you want a guy who's going to start – you know, 17 games now, I guess it is. Um, he's going to perform. There's no question he's worthy of a top three, top four pick um, in a running back draft where it's really tough. The only concern, the only change, the big two changes are his offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, who we talked about in the first episode, is is gone. Um, also, they, you know, they just picked up Julio Jones to do, they feel the necessity to pass more. Is the question, do they stay a run-centric offense without him, uh, with him on the team now? Um, I think those are the only concerns. And then, you know, not every team has a defensive line like the Ravens do um, when they stopped him in in, um, in the playoffs. But he's he's a tremendous guy, and he'll, he'll win you a week on his own. So... Yeah, 2,027 yards rushing last year, 17 touchdowns. So if you're, you're comparing him to a guy that maybe gets – you know, 60 catches, but rushes for a thousand yards. I mean, this guy's putting up double that still had 30, yeah. 31 catches for only, only 114 yards. But I like those 31 extra points. I get there. It's a little, little cherry on top. Yeah, so he, I mean, if you're, if you're nitpicking Derrick Henry, you, you yeah. have too much time on your hands. Yeah. Just, just, just take him, uh, take him in the top two, top three. To me, he's safer than, you know, there's a couple guys coming off injury. 
Dalvin Cook's been tremendous, but he seems like a guy who gets nicked up a good bit. So, um, but he catches it, so he's going to get picked ahead of him. But he's a top three, minimum top five guy. I, I'm Derrick Henry never gets hurt, which is hundred. You're you're right there. I would take Henry right now. He's my number two. I w- I would take Henry number okay. two, even in a PPR league. McCaffrey's okay. my my clear number one. Henry is number right. two for me. I, I think you're right. Dalvin Cook is, is a world beater, man, but he leaves a ton of games and looks like he's going to be out for the season and comes back, you know, in the fourth quarter and still plays. Or you know, he gets, he's just ding, he's just one of those guys I could see in a year or two when he's not, you know, twenty four, twenty five. He misses a, a game or two here, then it turns into half the season, and then it's you know, it's just it's a tough position. You can't fault these guys. I mean, they take a beating on every single play. They're in a car accident, you know, thirty times a game. Yeah, uh, basically. So uh, it's a difficult it's a difficult position to play. It's why a lot of young players aren't signing up to be running backs anymore. Yeah. Uh, so so we, we will get our rankings in as we get closer to the season. But uh, I'm I'm a huge Derrick Henry guy unless he's unless he's playing the Ravens. Uh, let's switch over to a guy that I am not a fan of, uh, mainly because I was on he had uh, he was on my team last year. Is Melvin Gordon with the Denver Broncos? Uh, he Cl- is. He's terrible. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, don't on. steal my thunder here because I, I am on the Melvin Gordon hate bandwagon. Um, classic guy whose numbers at the end of the season maybe look like, oh, he wasn't too bad last year. Let me take let me take a gamble on him. He had – can you guess how many seasons he was going over 1,000 yards, Greg One. Angel? One. One. One season his entire career when this guy was holding out for money from the Chargers, and no wonder they didn't want to pay him. One season over 1,000 yards. Um Career low in receptions last season. Uh, you can blame blame it on the quarterback. I don't care. I mean, somebody should be throwing him the ball if he's that good of a talent. And yep. he had he had touchdowns in six of the sixteen games last year that he played in six games. Oof. So I mean, he finished with nine touchdowns, which doesn't sound terrible. But just think of having him for ten games that he didn't score a touchdown. So when he's giving you fifty, sixty, seventy yards, you're getting less yeah. than ten. 10 points from a starting running back. I will never draft Melvin Gordon again in fantasy football. This might be the year he, I, I, I mean, Javante Williams is the the young guy. I think he was split it with, uh, in UNC with UNC. Carter, yep. right? He's, okay. He was the main guy. They, yep. they, they went up in the draft to pick him. So to me, he's going to 100% be the feature back yeah. in this backfield. Well, uh, well, sooner rather than later. He should. We've seen teams do stupid s- stuff all the time and just play a guy because they they want a veteran in there or something like that. So, but I, I agree. There's there's no reason Melvin Gordon should be anywhere near the top of a depth chart. You still have Royce Freeman there, uh, so you can take a flyer yeah, later think- on Javante Williams if you want to. He's probably a, a middle round guy who could be like he talked about. Why why draft a starter for a team when you can get a backup like him who has some higher upside? That you are not sitting on a, a handcuff, you're sitting on more of a you know a potential game winner. If you like Javante Williams, be prepared to take him in the fifth or sixth round, though not not deeper than that because okay. the the public when I've been doing these mock drafts, the public is on him. He's on. If you're doing it with a bunch of people who barely pay attention, you can get him later. But he's ranked somewhere in the seventies, but with people overdrafting running backs, they are taking him before Melvin Gordon often. So there's a lot of the average, you know, the people who pay somewhat attention to fantasy football are all over Javante Williams. I'll throw one little curveball at you. If Aaron Rodgers is there, because this is the most talked about, this is the most talked about destination for him. 
does that elevate? So I could see if they get Aaron Rodgers, they're totally changing their mindset and they're saying, we want a veteran in there who we know can pass protect. That could elevate Melvin Gordon's status. If he doesn't go there, I feel like Melvin Gordon could even be cut from the Broncos, to be honest, because he had all field troubles this year too. Yep. Possible DUI. He didn't, I don't think he got convicted of it, but um, it, it, it could be that extreme with him. So he's kind of a wait and see guy, but we both do not like him as their tam- team stands today. Yep. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I don't know if uh, as days go by, I see it being less and less likely that we see Aaron Rodgers move somewhere, but stranger things have happened. So uh, we will yeah. see. Uh, let's move on to one of my biggest fantasy regrets, and that's Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who I took with the fourth pick, I think, of our dynasty draft. I believe it was the third, but it was a dynasty draft, so give yourself that, you know. So I watched a lot of their games and followed along with them because I had him, and he was a super bust. They did use him a lot. They tried to get him involved. The offensive line has really been addressed in Kansas City. It should be better. Yeah. But on the goal line, I mean, there there were times where they tried to run the ball with him three times and had to kick a field goal, and he just could not get past the offensive line. So I'm hoping they didn't add anyone to that team. They still have Darrell Williams and Darwin Thompson as the backups there. They, oh, they did add Jerry yeah. McKinnon as a, as a late round, uh, later in the in the Yeah, he's agency. an injury guy, yeah. you know. Who knows? Yeah. But I think, I mean, this is another team where it should be a bell cow, young guy in the second year. Uh, yep. They seem totally committed. And you always talk to me about Andy Reid and his success with running backs, whether it's Westbrook yep. or McCoy or whoever. Yep. Uh, I, I think he, he's sure. an easy buy low this year because people drafted him early. He was all the hype, and people were fed up. You know, people were fickle. He's, in the, he's a third or fourth rounder on one of the best offenses in the league. They're going to be pass-centric. But if you look at their wide receiver depth chart, this is another reason to believe in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and why they'll throw more out of the backfield. It's McCole Harvin's year to to uh, produce or or be done. And, you know, they obviously will have Kelsey and Tyreek Hill dominating the touches. But I think he gets more involvement in catching out of the backfield than he did last year. I still doubt he he might approach 900 yards somewhere in there. The key, like you said, will be will he get the goal line work because they love to flip a two-yard pass to Kelsey over the middle or have Mahomes run it in. But that that offensive line change, Orlando Brown's a better run run blocker than he is a pass blocker, in my opinion. So I think they're saying to themselves, hey, we got to be a little more balanced to preserve Mahomes, especially coming off injury. So I would definitely, I'm definitely on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. If you go wide receiver first two rounds, and he's there in the third round, I would, I would take him for sure. Tell me this: if if you're drafting, I'll put you on the spot. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Najee Harris are both there. Who do who do you take with your third round or late, say late second round pick? Late second round, I think I got to go Najee Harris, despite my dislike for the Steelers and despite my worries about their offensive line. It's all about opportunities in, in fantasy football. I would rather have a wide receiver who's a number one on a team versus a guy who's on a, you know, throwing throwing pass, you know, a pass centric team who's gonna get more targets. I just I just think it's all about opportunities and times he's on the field. And there's times when Clyde Edwards Hilaire won't be on the field because they're gonna be in empty sets. So I think Najee Harris is the preferred. How about you? Uh I'm torn. I'm I'm gonna go Clyde Edwards-Alaire, just because of the offense he's in, and, and you know, I think he's going to bounce back and be a good guy. 
for the Chiefs this year. Like you said, they don't have a second option behind Kelsey and Hill. Um, yeah. I, I just I don't see why you're not drop, dumping it off to him, you know, out of the flats. I, I just feel like that's a lost. I feel like, you know, as much as I bag on Flacco, that was that was such a big part of that Ravens offense is those small little throws to the flats with Ray Rice or something and, and yeah. just make a guy miss and then you get a first down or, you know, 11, 12 yards out of it. It's just an such an easy play that hardly ever results in like a, you know, negative yardage. So Yeah, you're right. You know, you know, the other thing is they've got a better play caller there than the Steelers, you know, it, yep. it seems to be. Yep. So. Uh, let's move over. To, I'm really glad we didn't do the NFC tonight because we would be up till midnight. This is uh, this is fun, but I, 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 you know, we spend three or four minutes on each team. It, it adds up. Yeah. Uh, two, yep, for sure. Two teams left here. Hang with us. Yeah. Never no. Been. Hey, we're yeah, we're almost at an hour here, so good stuff. Josh Jacobs, maybe the most bewildering. I know you like that word. Uh, fantasy football player from last season who was super hyped out first first round pick thousand yards 3.9 yards a carry did score 12 touchdowns but only had 33 receptions I, I don't know what happened I mean the guy's still 23 he's had two seasons in the league he just seemed bound for a breakout after after his rookie year and just kind of took a step back literally less yardage more carries yeah. less yards yeah. um they another team that didn't add anybody to their backfield Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry. They added, they added Kenyon Drake. They added Kenyon Drake. Yeah. So, yeah, that's um, a big worry for Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Uh, the mock drafts, he keeps falling. Um, he is not a particularly great catcher of the ball. And the other thing about it is he's got a coach who just never seems to be happy with the players who are on his team. He'd rather have people who are on other people's team. And they just got rid of most of their offensive line. Uh, they got rid of their center. They're all pro, all world center, traded him to the Cardinals. They got rid of their right guard. Um, they got rid of their right tackle. So I just don't know how you can feel comfortable drafting a running back who's in a split situation, who just got replaced, who's on a rookie contract that they're not feeling like they're forced to run out there in behind an offensive line that we've been talking about with the Steelers all night that's brand new. Um, so to me, he's based on where he's ranked um he's undraftable um because i'm not paying a premium for a guy who could be replaced in week two plus they have a guy jalen richard who does a lot of the pass catching a lot of third down work not to mention i can't believe theo riddick's still in the league so he's just he's just a tough tough draft for me i would totally pass on him and last year i was debating in our dynasty league between him and tyreek hill thank god i made that right decision yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good call for sure. Uh, let's move on to our final team here, and one of my favorite running backs who just doesn't get the love is Austin Eckler from the Superchargers down in yep. Los Angeles. Man, yep. um, I'm I'm pulling up his stats right now. He he does get hurt a little bit more than you would like, but the numbers really uh, started ten games last season, had 54 receptions. 530 yards um i i just think he's bound for his numbers really don't look as good as i remember them to be but did have 92 catches in a full season in 2019 uh yeah. so 92 reverse factor mr check down yeah. um that was the year that melvin gordon said hey pay me a lot and they said eh, well yeah, wait a minute this guy's pretty good so they paid him a lot he is the ultimate pass catching back and we talked about the Chargers weapons when I brought up that I was big on Keenan Allen, that the, that the wide receivers outside of Allen aren't that exciting. Yeah. 
Their tight end, Jared Cook, not that exciting. So he's going to catch a lot of balls still. Um, so I, I, I like him too. He's definitely one of those guys you can get in the third round, I believe. Maybe second if people are running back heavy. Um, but he is not going to be your traditional 25 carries running back. He's going to get 15 rushes. He's going to get uh, five catches. The great thing about him is he could catch a two-yard pass and make it a 70-yard touchdown. Yeah. So, And that's in a PPR league is the best you can hope for out of a running back. So I do like him as a running back two, not a running back one. The guys that got behind him are probably just – Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly are both more, um, oh, you know, backups. Yeah, so. I, I, I picked up that Joshua Kelly guy thinking he was going to be set the world on fire when that Eckler injury happened. And it did not. Yep. It did not happen. Um, tell me if if you're at the end of that first round, do you take a do you take two running backs? Do you take an Eckler and an Aaron Jones, or do you take Devonte Adams and Hill? What do, what do you think sets you up better at the end of the first round in this this season, 2021? Every year is different. But if you could have those two guys, Eckler and Aaron Jones, or Hill and Adams, what do you what do you go? So I I've been thinking about this a while. I made last year was the first year I had great success with going two wide receivers, and here's why I like it. But here's what I'll say: you have to have guys who are known quantities year after year producers. Yeah. The thing about Eckler is he's a one year guy, right? Like Devontae Adams. If he has, if Devontae Adams, let's say Aaron Rodgers comes back, if Devontae Adams has his worst year, he'll catch 105 balls with 10 touchdowns. If Austin Eckler has his worst year, he'll run for 500 yards, get replaced in the third week. So my advice, and we'll do more advice later, but is get known quantities that you can bank on. Don't worry about position as much because there'll be waiver wires. I think people who do, um, drafts the biggest mistake they make is they think when they leave their draft that that's their team for the whole year yeah there's going to be so many changes so many opportunities and i think you go with known quantities over that guy who might emerge so i would go the two wide receivers yeah i mean if you can set yourself up with literally hill hill and Devontae adams i think especially at the end of the first number one wide receivers yeah you're not getting the two best running backs might as well get the two best receivers and that sets you up for some of these other guys we've talked about in the third fourth round uh you get a Najee harris a swift a, a sanders a josh jacobs a chris carson uh, i would like my team a lot more there um and then you can because you're you're gonna play those two guys every single week receivers don't get as hurt as, as yep. often as running backs so uh, maybe i have uh six seven running backs and four receivers you know what i mean i, I yep. draft a couple guys exactly. later on and just stock up on running backs and uh yeah that's a good especially at the end of the first round it's a good good, good way to go so good exercise there so that's the afc next week we'll do the nfc uh, a lot of big names to talk about there, especially the NFC East. I mean, you got four. The NFC East really has four almost first-round guys, second-round guys. Uh, you have four yeah. basically bell cow fantasy producers, which is insane. So um, pretty good. Any any final thoughts on the AFC running backs before we get into our question of the week? Uh, no. I think we covered it pretty well. Okay. All right. Uh, so you had a good question. Hit Hit me with that question. Uh, I, I had the one last week. You decided to make one this week for me. Yeah, this one hit me. So as I'm doing my drafts, you know, I have certain guys I would never draft as, at a point. Who is a player that is going to be drafted in the first or second round 
that you would not pick in the first or second round. Now, if any of these guys fill in the third round, you know, that's a whole different story, but wouldn't draft him in the first or second round. Wow. First or second. Okay. So I thought it was just first round. Um, It's tough. The the first name that comes to my mind, because I'm looking at the first round and I'm trying to see, I mean, look at the first round from last year. Let's, we should pull that up because I want to see how many busts were on there. I mean, there's probably half the names. So half of these well, guys, half these a lot guys, of them were injuries. Yeah, yeah. McCaffrey, I mean, yeah. McCaffrey, Barkley, Michael Thomas. Yeah, I mean, you could call Miles Sanders a bust. He wasn't really hurt, yep, but he didn't he do well. Josh, Josh Jacobs. Um, there's a lot of guys. Yep, definitely was a bust. Um, I'm going to go Zeke Elliott. I just, I just feel like he's been producing at such a high level for so long. Um, he's still, still just 25. So, I mean, he's in the red in that sweet spot finished last year, started 15 games, less than a thousand yards rushing. Um, I know we didn't have, uh, we had Andy Dalton for, you know, a majority of the season there. So their offense was just poo poo, but, yeah. uh, they keep adding receivers. They got CD lamb in his second year. Now, uh, they still have Amari Cooper, Blake, Dar- Blake Jarwin, whatever his name is, is, is a pretty yeah. competent tight end. So I think they're going to be more of a passing attack, and I've, of course, there's always the uh, I don't want to, I keep wanting to say Tony Dor- Tony Pollard is their backup. Yeah, it keeps and he has ten percent of the carries, and he gets twenty percent. I mean, I think they're slowly working him in a little bit more, which is probably a good thing to, to save the wear and tear on Zeke. But if there's someone yeah. from that list, that first round, that I think is going to get hurt or or just not play up to expectations, it's probably him. He's just a guy that you just think is going to be a first rounder every year, and don't question it. So, I weirdly dislike the Dallas Cowboys a lot, um, but the one thing I'll say about them is, I mean, he gets the he's the only real player there, so that's the only thing I would probably take him in the second. He is getting skipped over a lot in the first round, and mostly because people have the memory of last year of his poor performance. And- the one thing he has going for him is his offensive line should be better this year. I think they lost all five starters at one point. Yeah, they were down. Um, but bad. they Tyron Smith is getting older. He's a little more banged up. Zach Martin was hurt last year. Leo Collins was hurt. Um, and, you know, Dak behind the center. So I, I definitely wouldn't take him in the first round. I'd rather take, like, let's say you're picking fifth and, you know, top four running backs and you got Zeke sitting there. I'd rather take Tyreek Hill at that point yeah. because I know Tyreek Hill is going to be good. I mean, barring injury. Injury doesn't count. Nobody can factor in that when they're picking, but I'd rather take Tyreek Hill over Zeke Elliott in the first round. I'll tell you um, that. I will. I will say I don't like a, the Cowboys either. But when I watch a Cowboys game, man, Z- Zeke Elliott fights for every. I mean, he he runs hard. He doesn't like lay up. Doesn't take plays yeah. off. I mean, he he's a he's a bad motherfucker. I mean, he yeah. which, which is not a good thing for a running back who. Shut your mouth, by the way. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry there's no kids watching. Um, <laughs> I mean, he he's just r- run run hard every single season, and they love him there. So, uh, like well, you look said, at his carries: three twenty two, two forty two, three hundred four, three hundred one, two forty four. Yeah, I mean, he and he's not shown any sign of. I think one of the podcasts I listened listened to they they interviewed him at like a a Super Bowl or Pro Bowl party like yeah. last year and said he was, you know, he was feeling like he could run, he could play a whole, a whole other season. Um, yeah. It's just crazy, you know. And he's 77 catches, 54 and 52. So the, the touchdowns weren't there last year was really the biggest thing. I mean, he was 400 yards short too. But that's partly because of um, yeah. Yeah, being out. 
All right, who's your who's your name? Who do you not? Who my you guy is uh, my guy is the guy on the all hype team, and it's not to say that I don't believe in him as a player, but uh, DK Metcalf is a guy to me who is in a situation where, if you were to name the number one receiver in Seattle, who would it be? Uh, probably probably him. I would say him. But, but Tyler Lockett takes so many of the catches. It's one of yeah. those things where. You know, you look at the stats last year. Tyler Lockett had, I believe, about 15 to 20 more catches than he did last year. Uh-huh. The other thing, I was ever watching a broadcast, and they were saying, you know, DK Metcalf, if he doesn't get involved early, he sometimes doesn't doesn't uh, engage himself. So if he's there in the third round, I'm definitely, you know, considering him, depending on who else is on the board. But if he's my one of my top two players, in a situation where he's not the clear number one wide receiver, I only want to take number one wide receivers that early. Yeah. Um, and in a division where he's going to face Jalen Ramsey twice a year, too, not to mention that. Yeah. Um, so to me, he's he's a tough guy to take in the top two rounds. I mean, he makes a great meme of him chasing down Buda Baker, but <laughs> tough for, tough for uh, top two rounds, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, people love to, like, he looks good with his shirt off. He's, you know, he looks like he's made out of stone. People, like, sure. you know, they'll, they'll show those those combine highlights during the preseason and get everybody all sauced up. So, um, but Where, the, so, so t- sorry, Phil. I no, you're totally good. finish your thought. No, that, that was it. I was just love thinking about him with his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing, you know, Tyler Lockett is direct, being drafted six or four to five rounds later. Because he's oh, a small guy, yeah, and he's is... being and he's catching the ball fifteen to twenty more times last year. Now both of them have games where, hey, that was Tyler Lockett's game, or that was DK Metcalf's game. That was last year, at least. They have another new offensive coordinator up there, who's also from the Shanahan tree because isn't everybody? <laughs> so are they more run centric than they were last year? Because their offense was one of the worst in the league by the end of the year last year, which, um, which is crazy because they put up. A ton of points in the first half. I mean, Tyler Lockett was was winning me some games. I mean, he yeah, had some like I think he had like a three or four touchdown. I'm trying to pull it up now, but I definitely had like a three touchdown game at some point. Yeah, I think it was even before half or something crazy. Twenty, uh, fifteen catches, two hundred yards, three touchdowns. Then he had another th- nine catches for third. No, nine catches for a hundred yards, three touchdowns. So he had two three touchdown games and finished with ten touchdowns. Yeah, uh, but uh, those those two games will, will be nice. It's just a question of value with both those two players to me. Am I picking Tyler Lockett in seventh and getting that production and similar points, or am I picking DK Metcalf because he's that Superman who looks big? And I think a lot of people know who DK Metcalf. You talked about knowing people in your league and knowing what they'll pick based on. Yeah, as a location, that's another one. Another guy that they hey I've heard of DK Metcalf he's the guy who chased down a guy ninety yards yep yep so for sure good question there uh, all right we'll do NFC running backs next week we'll get into some draft prep maybe do a mock draft live on the show here want to start doing those with you and I think we can invite I know on Fantasy Football Calculator you can send someone the link or something maybe we can try to figure out a website that'll let us do a mock draft with other folks and we can kind of break it down here on the show that would be fun um that's it for this week greg thank you hope you guys hope you and your family have a great and safe fourth of july everyone listening as well and uh for greg angel this is the hot take kid phil gentile thank you guys for listening we'll be back next week peace